It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Good body every morning. A little wordplay there. It's always good to have you here. Excited to have you here. And, and first of all, as always, thank you so much for your support. So uh, most of you guys know we're, I believe we're on most of the platforms, or at least most of the major ones. Right now we're negotiating a deal with Pandora. That's exciting. And it's really because of you guys. So thank you so very much. Um, we just totally appreciate the support. Uh, allows me to bring in people from all walks of life. You know, I mean, at least uh, I try to bring you leaders that uh, might make your business or your life a little bit easier. That, that's really the whole um, pretense, the whole mission. Thank you. Mission. Um, and today's no difference. Uh, today I'm being joined by Chris Denny, and uh, we're going to bring bringing him on shortly. Um, but first, we're going to go to the quote of the day. Uh, the quote of the day is being brought to you by um, dominatingyourmind.com. Um, dominatingyourmind.com is um, my book. And Dominating Your Mind is all about our self-talk. So, uh, so I was uh, this weekend, I was with my friend Randy Couture, a uh, veteran of the U.S. Army. He was a sergeant there. He's a uh, former UFC champion. And uh, actor, if you guys have watched him on things like um, Expendables, uh, Hawaii Five-0, uh, a bunch of other movies or shows and stuff like that. Anyway, um, the whole thing about dominating your mind, it's really about self-talk. And so Randy and I were talking about this and – the difference between, and I'm going to use money because it's more universal. So the difference between the person who's making 50 grand a year and the person who's making 100 grand a year, it's really going to come down to their self-talk. Whatever you want to call that, your story, your baggage, your beliefs, your self-talk. And the difference between the person making a million dollars a year and making $100 million a year, again, it's that same self-talk. The person who's in shape and fit-oriented versus out of shape and not fit or health is, again, self-talk. Uh, the person who's, who's been divorced three, four, five times, uh, Randy himself has had multiple issues. I think he's uh, been married three times, and he talks about this. Uh, and so the uh, – what do you call it? Uh, the importance of self-talk is – is, is everything. It's paramount, right? It, it is the foundation to everything. Um, so dominating your mind is about getting that self-talk, turning down the volume of the negative inner voice, and really creating a more nurturing, more positive inner voice, right? So check it out, dominatingyourmind.com. And you can buy the book on Amazon. It's 20 bucks plus shipping. Or you can just go to dominatingyourmind.com and get it for free. I uh, just pay the shipping. So um, the uh, the quote of the day is positive self-talk is to emotional pain as pain pill is to physical pain. 
and that is by Edmund M uh, Biaka. Yeah, Mbiaka. So Edmund B. Mbiaka, positive self-talk is to emotional pain as pain pill is to physical pain. So that's the quote of the day. Check it out. Let's get the party started. Let's bring on my guest for today, Chris Denny. Chris Denny is a business owner, author, employee, development professional who, after years of research and work, created a system to improve attention to detail in employees, teams, organization. He delivers the training through corporate workshops and online training courses, which you can learn more about at attentiontodetail.com, attentiontodetail.com. Chris Denny, welcome to Money for Lunch. Hey, thanks so much. Really great to be here. I appreciate it. You bet, you bet. All right, so I got to ask you, uh, tell us a little bit about the story. This, How did you decide to focus on this attention to detail? Sure. So I've been a business owner since 2008, and I, I started in uh, marketing. I had a small – I still have a, a marketing agency. And in about 2010, 11, I had, a, had an employee who was very strong technically. And, and frankly, I liked him personally. He was a good guy. But he – man, he couldn't deliver client-ready work. He couldn't even deliver work that was ready for the next step, you know, for, for a good review. <laughs> That would come back positively, and uh, but again, you know, you could see that if he would just get it right, he would produce beautiful work. But but uh, he couldn't, and it, it would take five iterations. I mean, you could, you know, you would just go through review, and then the next thing he gave you would just it might have new mistakes in it, which boggled my mind. But uh, so I started looking for a course. That was the deal. You know, I had these talks with him. You know, you got to be more detail oriented. You got to look for these things. Whatever. I didn't I didn't know how to talk about it, and. I looked for courses about how to improve this book, anything. I couldn't find anything. Again, this is 2010, 2011. It was a different world online. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm creative. I'll make something myself. And I quickly learned two things. One is that it's a way bigger topic than I thought it was. Uh, you know, I thought I'd spend an evening and make a little, little worksheet or something and give to him and that would fix it. Um, part of the entrepreneur mindset right but right. Uh, and then the second thing I learned was it I, I just I really enjoy the topic I, I enjoyed the research things I was running across um, you know I was running across psychology I was like getting into systems thinking which which is kind of my mo anyway I'm very much a systems thinker I mean my my master's was operations not marketing um, you know I got into marketing because that's where I can that's where I can match uh, the operational strengths of a company with demand out there in the marketplace and so um i just i loved everything that i was that i was reading and started researching and i i went down the rabbit hole is what i always say i mean um you know i didn't actually get to keep them uh because i i didn't figure it out quickly enough and uh you know my wife was even going what is this weird distraction you have with this attention to detail topic <laughs> what is this and I'm not kidding. She, you know, a few times she was like, "Hey, you, you got to stop." And um, and yeah, I just kept kept at it. You know, a lot of evenings, and I would even, you know, people would give me a chance to to speak for a small group, and instead of talking about marketing, I would talk about this attention to detail topic. And um, but that get got me a lot of interviews and feedback, and and it just it just dug the hole deeper. 
and uh, you know, six years later, I kind of like emerged with this system and I was putting stuff online, uh, not really a blog, but just kind of posting some things. And every now and then a company would call me and say, Hey, will you come teach our people this? And I would, I would, you know, respectfully decline and say, no, 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 I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy doing research, you know, thanks so much. I appreciate it. But then when I had a system in place, it, it clicked. It was like, wow, man, this is, this is something. And so that next time somebody called, I said, yeah, give me a month to put it together. And so I created a presentation and it was, you know, the first one was a bit rough, um, but I went and did it and the feedback was fantastic. And I, I kind of went, you know, I love this. I think I'll, I think I'll keep it going forward. So that's, that's really how it got started. It was a giant distraction, uh, coincidentally, because I talk a lot about distractions uh, that, that, that got me here. Okay, so let's talk about this, because uh, there are times when attention to detail is good. You mentioned a, a perfect example. You're yeah. trying to deliver something to a customer. Man, let me tell you, I hate nothing worse than when I deliver something to a customer and it's got, you know, I, you know, I, I can live with one typo, but when it's got more than one typo, I just <laughs> – I just want to kill myself and everybody on the team, right? It's just, you know, right. when you're, you know, so that's attention to detail or when, you know, you just, you miss something here and there that you should not have missed, that you're better than that. So obviously mm -hmm. that attention to detail, I think, is a must have. And you have to have somebody on your team that is that attention detail oriented. And then, of course, you got to balance it when, you know, uh, when you get too much focused on the attention to the detail, right? Or am I wrong? I mean, how do you, how do you perceive these two kind of almost uh, opposing uh, forces? Yeah. Yeah. That's completely relevant. So, and, and, and that's actually a lot of what I talk about is, is understand what matters, you know, know what's relevant because depending on your role, your position, uh, some of the details, they don't matter to you. You need to, you need to blow past those. And leave that for somebody else. You know, you you might be the big picture thinker. Um, and and actually, for everyone, I talk about the big picture. You know, the big picture is your goal. That's where you're going. The details, whatever's relevant to you, that's what gets you there. You know, that's what makes the product fantastic or amazing or or excellent, whatever it is you're going for. But everyone has their place in the chain, right? So uh, if you're a frontline worker you probably need to be a bit better with the details, especially if what you're delivering is going to go to, to the customer, to the client, even if it's right. an internal customer. So, uh, in fact, I'm supposed to be giving a workshop in, in uh, well, don't worry about it, but in, in another state. And uh, there uh, I uh, like to provide a certain amount of confidentiality, but, but that was a component of, of the reason they called. It was this idea of, hey, we have a lot of internal communications, and, you know, our executives don't really feel appreciated or, or actually it was the manager's concern that the executives, you know, it was disrespectful because there were some typos going out, maybe some data missing, stuff like that. And so, you know, as, an in, as a part of providing excellence to their internal customers, which happens to be upper management, the E-level, C-level guys, they want to make sure they're delivering, their his team is delivering you know, the best possible quality. But for a lot of people, the details don't matter. And, and I talk a lot about that in, in workshops. So you need to know what's important. 
Yeah, and and I want to point something out that you said, because uh, uh, and you used the phrase an internal customer, and mm-hmm. one of the things that has helped me step up our game here is that we don't try to necessarily uh, differentiate between a a customer customer and an internal customer that might be you know might be another staff member or might be you know whatever you define as an internal customer because uh, sometimes yeah we or at least in the past I would allow a different standard for uh, an internal customer versus an external customer because hey it's an yeah. internal customer so it's okay if it's you know whatever if it's sloppy or well whatever and it's a different mindset when you say hey there's no difference right yeah. when you when you when you set the bar that hey i want to deliver good work all the time it starts to change everything it does and and actually there's something of a chain reaction that affects employee morale so we do surveys of employees at all levels, and the average across the board, uh, when we ask the question, do you believe that lack of attention to detail is costing your organization money? And then we follow up with that uh, with, you know, what is the main cause? The third one, believe it or not, is employee morale, or what does that cost? It's employee morale, and and when you dig a little bit, uh, it's – it's that idea, like you're talking about, people aren't respecting their internal customers. They're not, they don't recognize the value of their position in the chain. And so when they do something and it has mistakes and they pass it on to the next person, that person is frustrated because they have to fix it or they got to send it back. And that, you know, they spent time on it. They didn't need to. They shouldn't even receive it yet or they have to deal with it. And these can be, you know, sometimes it's just like, hey, enter the number or whatever. Sometimes. Um, I get this a lot from project managers. You know, the wrong part number is entered, and maybe it's ordered, and that means that it comes – the right, wrong part comes in, lots of stuff might get pushed back. Yet. You know, hey, we can't start on Tuesday because the part's not here, and there's a three-day lead time, so we got to wait until Friday now to get started. So that employee morale, believe it or not, it's the third one, third most cited. That that surprised the heck out of me when I started these surveys five years back. So yeah. the internal customer is, a, is a really important. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it makes sense because look how you treat your peers or your employees. That, that whole that whole uh, uh, environment, um, what do you call it, can make or break a company, right? I mean, you can have the yeah, world's greatest strategy. Yeah, you can, your strategy will never outperform your culture. It, it, so if you have a horrible core culture. Uh, then most likely it's you're going to have a very difficult time retaining uh, employees, retaining customers, delivering good work. Uh, and, and I'm I'm going to use this example. Uh, I don't want to get political. I'm not trying to go uh, Democrat or Republican or anything. But uh, if you look at what I found interesting, we've never seen the the amount of turnover. Uh, that we've seen with the administration, right? I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, in the first, I don't know, at least the first five or six months, there was a huge amount of constant turnover in the White House that we had never seen before. And 
you know, it's it's slowed down, but it's still a pretty steady uh, turnover, which I think signifies that there could be a, a you know, kind of a, a culture issue there, right? I mean, maybe things aren't, uh, you know, clear or whatever, but either way, it, it's just an interesting thing to make note of. Uh, again, stripping you know, or putting aside whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you voted or didn't vote for uh, right. the president in the office, it's still interesting because I bet you what you're seeing with the uh, with the Trump administration, it's probably a good example of maybe I think it's a good example of maybe how he runs his companies, right? That you know, it's it's, yeah. it's a probably a very uh, just a uh, I want to say a very uh, Tense. I'll use the word tense culture. Uh, you know, it it would be a very interesting thing to 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 know how he runs. You know, how, how the interior, how the inner workings of of his companies were, because I think this is a reflection of that. Again, I could be wrong. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, culture is tough. I I was when I started those surveys uh, five six years ago. I was really surprised that that employee morale was one of the top things cited and it actually was cited by executives more than anyone else. And it's mm. even, I mean, it's above customer service. It's above, uh, it's above, above legal and compliance issues. It's above sales. I was surprised about that. I thought sales would be in the top two or three. So really, really interesting. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's on, it's on people's minds. It, it really does affect I mean, That's half the reason I get called is, um, there's there's a group of people that call me because a really big mistake was made and you know they gotta kind of work on that they want to adjust the culture. The second one is the second most common is that they kind of have uh, a culture I guess I'll go ahead and use that word where little mistakes have kind of become the norm and people think it's okay to just pass on work that has a you know a couple of mistakes here and there but they can really tell that it's affecting their productivity. And the quality of their, their output internally and externally. And so they want to make that little cultural adjustment. You know, they just want to instill the importance and value of getting things right, of that everyday excellence. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah, you know what? It, and sometimes uh, you know, we can, you know, uh, the, the the mistake here and there might be embarrassing, but maybe has minimal impact. And then sometimes a mistake right. literally can kill people. Um, you know, again, yeah. using this as an extreme example, you know, the Challenger explosion. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, during the I guess the the research uh, trying to investigate what happened, they said, hey, it's because of the O-rings. The O-rings got cracked. You know, uh, there was supposedly somebody mentioned it, and then somebody didn't see it, and maybe there could have, would have, should have. But you know, it's that attention to detail. Right. You know, when you think about, oh yeah, um, that you know, rubber doesn't usually perform well under cold in uh, a cold uh, environment. It was, uh, I guess, cold that week or that day, and all that other stuff. But it's attention to detail. Sometimes attention to detail can can have uh, unforeseen terrible consequences. So, so let's talk about this. I mean, cause again, sure. 
I could hear a bunch of people saying, hey, great, attention to detail, attention to detail.com, all this sounds great. Chris, what you're saying sounds great, but how do I improve focus in an organization so I can increase that attention to detail without driving everybody crazy? <laughs> sure. So what we work on in the workshops and training and coaching and consulting is is first we create a foundation. So we, we create a, a full understanding of the concept of attention to detail because a lot of times people just say, hey, be more detail-oriented, pay attention to details. And when you say that in a general sense, it's, it is – that's too general. It's kind of nebulous. You know, it's like, yeah, 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 we get it. Just, you know, look at the little stuff or whatever. So we break it down. We break it down into three types of attention to detail, which is contrastive, analytical, and additive. And, you know, the, the super short version is contrastive is where you have one solution. You know, that's a, a checklist can typically solve a problem like that. Um, there's, there's one solution. It's red or it's green. It's blue or it's red. It's on or it's off. It's flashing or it's not. That, that sort of thing. You know, two plus two is always four every time, every right. time. You have analytical, and that's analytical is where most knowledge workers operate in a day-to-day environment. That's where you have multiple solutions. You have to identify those individual elements and bring those together, bring around the relevant ones, and create a solution or process or system that will that will produce the result you're looking for. And then you have, you have additive, and additive is about creating something new. It's about innovation. And and you know you mentioned Challenger. That's Additive is one of the most complicated ones because you – well, it is the most complicated type of attention to detail because you are creating something new. So once you've created that shuttle several times and, and dealt with all of the range of possibilities, you can create the manual for it. You know, that, that same problem that, that the, the challenger – that caused the challenger the disaster won't happen again because they've seen it. They made a manual for it. Everyone checks that box. So, right. but, but there are new things out there, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's probably not the last time something terrible like that's going to happen and people will create new boxes and new systems, but they'll do their best to identify all of the challenges and issues before as part of additive attention to detail, they're adding all of the possibilities, you know, they're, they're, they're developing um, and just bringing in all those possibilities. So we discussed those. That's the foundation. And then we talk about the five fundamentals of attention to detail, which are focus, interest, knowledge, systems, and attitude. And I, people always ask me, I'm going to go ahead and address it. People always ask me if, if just one of those, you know, can take care of everything. And you know, it, it doesn't, because if you don't have focus, then it doesn't matter what systems you have in place. And, and if you don't, if you don't know what you're talking about, or, you know, if people aren't trained properly, then, you know, systems or uh, interest, no, it, it won't take care of it. So we go through those and we discuss ways to enhance each of those. Focus is typically where people uh, go first. And then systems is often where you can make the most immediate impact. Uh, you know, you can essentially automate attention to detail pretty quickly in a lot of, a lot of instances with the right systems in place. Um, I always like for people to start with knowledge. Because in a lot of cases, and this is based on surveys and individual interviews, in a lot of cases, the mistakes that are being made are largely, not completely, but largely due to lack of training. You know, the employee just doesn't know what they're doing or they, or they didn't realize that, you know, they're supposed to check box, check box A or, 
or that that step in the process was added. You know, maybe they weren't there on training day or on update day or whatever. Uh, so that's it. Just depends. There's there's so many different scenarios, right? So the system is something people can apply mistakes or challenges to, and kind of run down the list and go, okay, you know, have we checked these things? What should we what should we address next? Um, I'm a big believer in the theory of constraints. I don't know if you know you know that if you know the book The Goal, but uh, it's the process is somewhat based on the idea of the theory of constraints. You're looking for the next bottleneck. Yeah. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting, the, the thing that you said, or, you know, listening to you uh, using the, again, the challenge or challenger, that example where, Hey, because of this terrible thing, they have that, they have that, you know, they have a box, they have a system, they have a manual for that now. Right. And the reality right. is that's unfortunately the way a lot of policy is made, you know, uh, yeah. because uh, they've experienced something detrimental, and therefore now they got to fix it. So back in the day, when debit cards weren't the norm, and everybody wrote a check, you would go to some places. And there was a system, you know, they would take your check, they would check your ID, they would write down the driver's license, they would get as much information, and they would write all that information on the check itself Right. in case that check bounced or was returned for whatever reason, they could immediately say, okay, well, look, look the, all the stuff was checked, here's, here's the guy's driver's license, and, you know, they, they would, there was a system <laughs> for that. Uh, and one of the things that I like what you're talking about is being more proactive. So you look at it and you say, okay, what are all the possibilities of this thing could go wrong? Right. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's focus, interest, attitude, systems, and knowledge. Was that the five? Yeah, you got it. Nice. And thank and Well, I, I am writing it down. So, but I, I just want to, you know, and, and this <laughs> is what I find interesting here is that, you know, attitude. And I could see where attitude is important because, you know, some of us, this is kind of the, the, the seat that I, I sometimes fill is when somebody starts talking about detail, I start to, you know, roll my eyes and glaze over. Now, I've gotten better <laughs> over the years because sure. I've been, you know, because I've damaged myself so much. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've screwed up contracts. I've, I've uh, you know, because I wasn't paying attention and it bit me in the butt, so I'm better at it. But it's still, uh, I'm not as good as I could be, right? I'm not as analytical. Some sure. people who are analytical are much better than this. But you know, whether you're super analytical or you're not, uh, you're like you said, a big picture person. It, it, unless you have a team that can really help you with the details, you got to get, you got to, you got to do it. it uh, you know, it's it's a, uh, what do you call it? It's a. Uh, uh, um, what do they call it? A work and discipline. It's, it's, you just got to sit there. And if you have to read a, a 10 page document and man, you're thinking, Oh, this is going to take me forever. Then let it take forever. Let maybe you read a document a day and you put some notes to it. And then you, you know, or maybe you read a document an hour or however you got to figure out, you got to chunk it down. So it doesn't overwhelm you. Cause I think that for people like me, sometimes the, the details can overwhelm and all of a sudden we just zone out. 
So right. attitude to me yeah, is so important. You just got to have that attitude that this is important. It's important to my success. I got to do it. I got to figure out a way of doing it. You got to have that it, that kind of attitude. Absolutely. And an attitude and interests often work together, and there's something that that leadership can affect because yeah. you know. For instance, leadership can set clear priorities and clear goals. So now I understand, you know, when you throw a task in front of me, if I'm clear on what it is we're doing here, what direction we're going, I know a little bit instinctively and through some training, hopefully, what is relevant in this document. And also, you know, you can set it through, for instance, I talked to a company one time that was a, a printing company, and they have this this attitude that they instill in people through a basic sort of their motto, the internal motto, which is it's either right or it's wrong. There's zero between. And, you know, if they're about to print, you know, 50,000 of something and they send it to the client and the client for review and the client says, "Eh, it's okay, go ahead. They go, no, no, no. Is it right or is it wrong? And that's that little motto they have is their attitude that, that drills through everything they do. I mean, if the color blue isn't exactly the spec on your on on you know per your marketing uh, requirements, then let's let's adjust it because it has to be either right or wrong. And right. you know a lot of companies do this. I mean whether you're in manufacturing or or service, uh, it, it's that sort of attitude that can be driven uh, by leadership. And having that sort of attitude actually can help instill interest because it. It's sort of a trigger, you know, when you see something that's not right or not right or wrong in that case, then it, it triggers the uh, interest. And, and I'm, I'm on the fringe of the way I usually use interest, but but it triggers that interest in, in correcting and getting it right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know absolutely. Uh, look, it is, uh, again, this, this focus, this attention to detail, everybody who's an entrepreneur – has probably gotten bitten more than once because they weren't paying attention. And, and again, this is the thing that is sometimes hard to balance. Uh, so one of my coaches, mentors, um, is a gentleman named um, – dang it uh, – Jim Malinchak. Jim Malinchak, okay. uh, very successful individual. And so his motto is, is it good enough? Yes, it may be a little ugly. Yes, there may be some typos, but is it good enough? And he has built, uh, he has built his company on that kind of attitude, if you will, right? It's good enough. He's got systems mm-hmm. in place. Hey, you know, and his, and his philosophy is that sometimes we get so bogged down about being perfect. Right that we don't release the book, we don't release the project, we don't, you know, put out the software, the product or whatever. And so sometimes, you know, uh, it's just, you just got to go with that, that attitude of it's good enough. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not paying attention to the detail. And, and, and so I'm saying this because it's, to me, it's, you know, it, it's slightly different, meaning, you know, I'll just take a, a book, for example, let's say that you have a book, and with a book, you can always add more stuff to it, right? It's a, it's, it could be a never-ending process. And, and so right. is the book good enough 
you've been working on it for a year. Let's, it's time to release it. Just get it out there. And then, you know, in six months later, you can have a second edition or a year later, you can have a second edition. Doesn't mean that you're just going to throw crap out there because that's going to, again, come back and bite you. You still got to pay attention to it. Right. You still got to deliver something that's good. It doesn't have to be perfect. Well, that's what editors are for, right? right. I mean, it can be good enough for, for your spec, for, for your level of, of what you have time for, you know, of, of, of uh, your level of detail. Now, the next person in the chain, they have a different spec, and that's, that's, the, that's what you expect from them. And so yes. I, that applies for everyone. I mean, whether it's a customer service level or a manufacturing standard or, uh, you know, your, your, again, back to the internal customers, you know, whatever level of, of mistakes you allow into a system, it's good enough for your specification or for the specification of that specific task or level or job function. So, but it, you know, the, the, the point is it's systematizable. You can, you can systematize attention to detail. You can essentially automate it through a lot of functions with, with the use of these tools and you can get people to be more interested in it and understand the value and importance of it at whatever level that means for them. So, yeah. you know, for a lot, it doesn't mean 100%. It means I got to get 90, 99% or better. And the next level understands that their job is to clean up that extra 1%. So it's, it is different for everyone. And that's, that's why clients bring me in is, you know, for us, this is what we need to get to. And it's not quite good enough. And so um, I always like to make, cause this is a common question, you know, you know, Hey, not everybody has to do everything perfectly. They don't, but they need to do it as well as they should be doing it. Right. They should be meeting their specifications. So yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, and, and here's something that, 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 that's interesting. Uh, when you look at, let's say, like a, a tennis swing, a golf swing, uh, uh, you know, getting that bowling ball down there so it will make a strike, those are, new, those are details that you have to focus on, right? Um, right. There, you know, there, there's literally billions of dollars that are spent in golfing to improve the game. And yep. most of it centers around getting that swing just right. And the detail yeah. that goes into that swing is amazing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about that listening to you is that, yeah, you know, that to me is another example of that. Now, it, you also wrote a book. Uh, I want to plug the book. Uh, the book is called um, um, Improve Attention to Detail, a straightforward system to develop attention to detail in yourself, employees, and across an organization. Available on Amazon. I'm also going to put a link in the show notes. But in the book, you also talk about um, the three types of attention to detail. And I want to talk about this because I, I wasn't aware that there were three types. So talk about the three types. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's the contrastive, analytical, and additive. And that contrastive is where you can break things down to their individual components, where there's one correct answer. And that's the example I always use is, you know, contrastive attention to detail is why you can, uh, why McDonald's can run such a massive organization with largely teenagers, you know, with, with a bunch of kids. You don't have to know how to make a hamburger there. You have to know that, you know, when it beeps, you you take it out. They brought it down to a contrastive element, you know, that's it. It beeps, it flashes, it buzzes, whatever you you take it out. So it is, it is either this or that. If it's this, do this, if it's not, you know, do something else. Um, Then there's, there's analytical and that's the solutions based. And that is largely, 
so within a within the context of of an organization, let's say um, you are a consulting company, you through experience, you know that you need to pull out the contrastive elements, you know, and and then you can throw those down at frankly the lower level guys, and and that team can work on those contrastive elements and figure out you know the numbers and the details and the metrics and the operational you know strengths and weaknesses or whatever, while you focus on strategy, which is where more of the knowledge component is needed. Um, so that's that's the difference between those two. Contrastive, you can largely remove that need for for human knowledge, which helps remove the need or the the issue of human error. And then with analytical, you need more of that that knowledge. And with additive, is that step up where you're talking about creating something new? That's innovation. It could be creating something completely new. It could just be innovating around a product, finding something, you know, a new feature to add. And that's all about making sure you identify the individual components of the marketplace, of, of what else is out there, of what competitors are doing, of what your clients are asking for. You know, all of all of these individual components. You can imagine walls filled with sticky notes, right? Each right. with an individual component under some category. So that's that's what we're talking about there. But it's really just about the framework. It's by when there is a challenge or, or issue, you can kind of go, okay, what is this? What is this? And can I break it down? You know, where can I break the components down to? Where does this lie? So it just helps you move forward more effectively on uh, reducing errors and on improving a system. Yeah. Now, I didn't ask you this. What were you doing before this? I, I know you you mentioned it, but maybe I, I missed that detail. What were you doing before you got sucked? Oh, you were doing marketing. That's right. You were doing marketing, right? I was doing marketing, and then I, I was in operations before that. So I, I was in operations for a uh, small manufacturing company, and before that I was at HP uh, for three years. Then HP is a wonderful organization. It just wasn't for me, the giant. You know, I had a I had a desk with three screens and covered with spreadsheets on paper, and uh, that level of analysis just wasn't my happy place. And uh, so, so I moved on to a place where I was a bit closer to the customer and more involved in the total systems. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I could totally. Yeah, it wouldn't be for me either. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and again, HP is a is a good company. I I, uh, I remember it's years ago I did a company. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I uh, I did a. Um, Years ago, I did a uh, little article on HP and uh, co-owners, and, and Steve Jobs talks about, you know. Uh, oh yeah, he worked in. I think they gave well, him he the first up, job. You know, this is back in the day, and he and he called up. I can't remember who he called up. It was either Hewlett or Packard, and he just called. You know, Hewlett. looked him up in the phone book, called him. The man answered, and he says, "Hey, you know, I'm a <laughs> I'm a I'm a high school kid, and blah blah blah, and and you know and and uh, he was looking for something to hook, you know, he was doing something. And anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, that, he formed a friendship and it was kind of a neat thing, but he talks about that or Steve Jobs talked about that. So, yeah. all right, so we're, we're out of time, but the, the, if people want to find out more about you, they go to attentiontodetail.com, attentiontodetail.com. And uh, Chris, it's been a blast. Uh, having you on the show and talking about attention to detail. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time, and, and I've had a lot of fun. All righty. Good stuff there. Thank you, Chris. Good stuff there from Chris Denny. Again, attention to detail.com, or you can check out his book. Both of these 
Links are going to be in the show notes, so check it out. Uh, if you're one of those individuals, like I am, that maybe you struggle with that attention to detail, this may be the perfect system for you. Um, I was excited when Chris was coming on the show just because, again, this is one of the areas that I'm weakest in. I, I've gotten better over the years, but I'm far from uh, calling it a strength. As always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people become better at the details because they're so important. We've always heard the saying, the, devils are, the devil is in the detail. Uh, so let's help everybody get a little bit better at attention to detail. As always, my friends, remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.